from Conversations With, the show on the HMC Network. And this week, we're talking to Pav Grahola, who is the lead FX artist at Sony Pictures Imageworks, right here in beautiful California, <laughs> Southern California. <laughs> hey, Pav. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for being here. Well, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. Uh, your very impressive credits include... Ghostbusters, Guardians of the Galaxy, Edge of Tomorrow, for which you won an Am- Annie Award, yep, correct? That's right. Yep. Um, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, The Goblet of Fire, like several of the Harry Potter films, correct? Yep, yep. I worked on three of those. I'm a big fan of Harry Potter. When I saw that, I was like, yes, Harry Potter! <laughs> yeah, it's still one of my favorite films that I worked on, actually. W- Order of the Phoenix, or which one? Um, the one where you got the vials of memory. And he pours pours the memory vials into the into the um into the pensive. Oh, um, Goblet of Fire. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that's that was still holds up as being one of the most um, most proud effects that I've worked on. Still looks really good. What uh, because several audience members are Harry Potter fans. What, what specifically did you work on? Um, so in in the film, like. I, I, I'm not a huge fan of that actual Harry That's Potter films right. themselves. Don't say that loud. I, 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 <laughs> I've, I've seen I've seen most of them, but um, the basically Harry that memories are stored in these vials, right? So the I was Pantheon, yeah, yeah. So I was basically responsible for figuring out what that looks like. Or no, the Pantheon. Everybody, I'm going to get emails for that. By the way, <laughs> um, you oh you were that the thing that moves across. Yeah. Oh, uh, so you, they're, originally they're in these vials, and then they get poured into a bowl. Right. And then we transition the into Pantheon. different yeah. yeah into different scenes, and then so I was responsible with figuring out how, what does that look like, and how do all those transition habit transitions Seriously? happen? Seriously? Yeah, yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, thanks. That, I mean, that is one of the coolest. Bits of the Harry Potter universe films. Oh, cool! Yeah, that's, I'm what, very honored you say that. Like when they do the whole sort of like foggy, and yeah. then he drops down and he's in the courtroom. Yeah, that's the one. That's and the one. Da- yeah. Like David Tennant, who who from Doctor Who, who's in this one, who plays the bad guy. Okay, he's sitting in there. I, that's so cool. I'm, yeah. Oh, thanks. It all looks like ink and water. Yes. Yeah. 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 So you did that? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Wow. So I was, I was the lead on that. So I figured out how it would work and distributed all the shots and, and did all that. So all how does the team work? So if you're the lead on that, walk through exactly what that means and how many people are on your team. Okay, so it really depends show to show and what the effect is. Mm-hmm. But basically the lead is responsible for being kind of like the one that designs the look okay. and then communicates with the director or the visual effects supervisor to make sure that you know, the, their notes are being taken into account and basically pushes the, the effects through for, for, the, for the whole film. Okay. Or for, for the particular effect that they're looking after. And they, they kind of oversee all the other artists. So they might create some tools for mm-hmm. the other artists to use. So they'll create these setups that basically look like what the visual effects, art, the visual effects supervisor wants. Right. And then they'll, like, give those tools to artists and then the artists will propagate those shots Okay, and, and create them, and then you supervise them. And make sure that through, okay. make sure that they're on track, and all the notes are being like handled correctly. So when you look at the credits at a film like Goblet of Fire, yeah. y- there's like eight 
gazillion yeah, people. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> so how many people are you having to supervise and go through? And um, on on a particular show like Goblet of Fire, it probably wouldn't have been any more than uh, probably around ten artists okay. that you're looking after. But it can get bigger or smaller depending on what the project is. That's still a lot. It's still a lot, yeah. It's, it's a lot be- – when you have to – the hard part about it is juggling doing the work and managing the team. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it gets yeah. a bit overwhelming doing both. Right. Because you have to kind of like – and I'm really bad at multitasking. Are you? Yeah. I like <laughs> a lot to focus of editors are. They're task. kind of focused. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I like um, to focus on one task and just like have my brain completely take over that task. Right, right. Yeah. So it, it probably escapes nobody that you have a bit of an accent. Yeah. <laughs> Australian. Yeah. Uh, where are you from? Uh, I'm from Melbourne. Okay. So, yeah, but I've I've moved around a lot, so it's probably mutated a little bit. So it's not a lot of people think that it I sounds might, Australian to me. Yeah, but some people say I sound more English no. than Australian. And no some people way. like can't quite get what they it is. Can't. That's totally Australian. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be really paranoid for the rest of the interview. <laughs> no, <now. laughs> no, no. Well, so tell me a little bit about. Uh, how you got I'm so you grew up in Australia so you yeah. got started there how did you get started like what made you decide you wanted to be a VFX artist or did you fall into it or um well when I when I first got into like I actually did a fine arts degree oh and towards the end of my fine arts degree I was like um I kind of like want to continue doing something creative but I actually want to get paid for it yeah and I saw a lot of <laughs> smart man yeah. I saw I saw like a lot of my friends that were going down the road of being fine artists uh-huh. and I didn't, it didn't look like a good kind of option right. for me. Okay. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I want a family one day and I want house and all that stuff. Yeah, so yeah. I was like, I want, so I, at, at, when I finished um, university, which is in 1999, computer animation was just in its infancy, right. yeah. just starting up. So I basically took the year off and I taught myself 3D. I, I treated you taught it as a, yourself? Yeah. So well, I treated what were you like working on? What application? Uh, Maya originally. Okay, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of like um, I, I bought myself a computer and I basically just treated it like a job. I went back to my parents' house every day and I just read as much as I could about it. Wow. And then eventually, I, by pure coincidence, and this is a crazy story, there's like one visual effects house in Melbourne uh-huh. and I happened to meet the visual effects producer just randomly in a bar just by chatting <laughs> to her. In a bar, really? Yeah. And she was like, she's like, oh, so we just started chatting. And she asked me what I do, and I told her that I'm just, you know, learning 3D. Yeah. She's like, oh, my God, you should come over and work for us. Oh, wow. So that's how I got my first job. It's so crazy. what right company now. was that? That was a company called Complete Post in Melbourne. Okay. So they're still around, but I, they're, not, they're not huge. They are not the only VFX house in Melbourne now. No, uh, <laughs> no, there's, there's a few now. Yeah. 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 I mean, VFX in general is exploding. Right. Right? Like, there's just so much of it. And I think the, the thing that people don't realize about visual effects is that it's not just the really big, fancy effects work. There's visual effects in it. so many films that mm-hmm. they're not aware of because they're yeah. invisible visual effects. You know, like, like set extensions, which is basically, say, they shoot something on a set and it has to look like it's 1950s, for example. Right. They'll replace buildings in the background. Right. They'll, they'll like, have helicopters from the 1950s flying through the sky. And most people don't realize that all that's CG. Yeah. You know? Someone has to work on that. Yeah, someone has to do it. Well, it's funny because, you know, speaking of Harry Potter, I was looking through... I, I, we were at Warner Brothers Studios recently uh, for a Halloween event they did. there, And um, we went through kind of their building tour. Right. And they showed 
like you could scrub through scenes without the effects and with yes. the effects. Right. And this one was uh, Azkaban, I believe, that we were looking at. And but they're running the three Harry Potter, Hermione and Ron, are running down to visit Hagrid. Right. And I had no idea how much of just the grass and the field and right. like I mean of course we know the castle a lot of that is done and but so much of that scenery is not there not real, yeah it's yeah. just they're running past a green screen and yeah, you're like right. wait a minute yeah they're not even running on grass or like what <laughs> like what's yeah, happening yeah totally yeah that so, happens a lot that's pretty amazing because I think you're right. I think people do take that for granted. Yeah. It's, it reminds me of – it's kind of like you know costume designers. People only appreciate them when they see these great period pieces or super crazy monster things. But you realize that every film has to have a costume designer. Right. And there's an amazing amount of work that goes into it. Yeah. Yeah. The tailoring and the look and the design and all of it. And I, and I think um, the fact that you're not noticing it. As yeah, being yeah. designed is probably uh, you know a good thing, right? It's a, of it's, course. A, it's a sign that they've done a good job, right? So that's because a, you're not supposed to notice it, right? You're not supposed to notice that they're helicopters. Yeah. you're in not the supposed background. to notice. Hey, that's a really cool costume. He's yeah, wearing. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's like you're just supposed to be drawn into the story, and that's supposed to be peripherally just help you buy into the <laughs> right buy into the world. So okay, so you are at this effects house in Melbourne. Where do you go from there? Um, so I was there for like three months, and I was working voluntary. So like, oh, that you were was, interning. I was interning. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of what it's here, called here, right? Right, interning. Yeah, yeah. Interning. yeah. <laughs> they make it sound like it's a job, but it's really not. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty much what it was. <laughs> so after three months, um, the guy that I was working with said, "Hey, if you want to start getting paid, I know someone that owns a um, commercial house in Melbourne. I can hook you up with him." Uh-huh. And he did that, and he got me. Yeah, I got the job straight away. Oh, great! Really, and I, 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 one of the reasons I got the job, I think, is because that particular guy that owned the studio really loved having artists. Like, uh, and I, I was like, when I went over to my interview, I was showing my portfolio of drawings. Okay, and right? All that. Yeah, yeah. So he was like, "Wow, yeah, you're a real artist. I'll have you on board." Because, because I, I think one of the things he back then when I was starting out, a lot of people that were into 3D were very kind of like geeky, nerdy types. Oh yeah, and I, they still are. Uh, yeah, they still are. I know those guys. I, I, I was. I, we sold all that software and everything. Oh, so the people right. were really pioneering that weren't artists. They were yes. computer guys. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I think this guy that was owned the animation studio saw the value of having an artist yeah. ra- as opposed to a programmer, right. a programming type. Because so, he was making commercials, you know, you have to have an artistic eye and like some sort of artistic creativity for it. So you, so you did that for how long? So I was there for I think about two or, two or three years. And then um, we, we we went. Scarlett and I went traveling. My, That's my your wife. wife. Yeah, yeah. We went traveling around Europe, and um, That's fun. And when we were around Europe, I saw a job posting randomly on some board for a job in London, oh. and I was like, "Oh, that's kind of." cool i might apply for that online yeah and that was work uh, um for a job for dave mckean do you know who dave mckean is uh no he's a very um popular illustrator and he he made it he ended up making a movie called mirror mask oh and, yes um, i know what that is yeah oh really yeah oh, right so i went to work for that work on that oh that's in cool yeah so uh I, when we got back by the time we got back to melbourne we had three months to pack up and then head back off to, to, to wow London. so yeah and then I started off in London at Miramask and then 
I went on from there. But that was a really amazing experience working with Dave McKean. Really? Because he was an absolute nut job. Really? In a sense, <laughs> in, in a sense let, me, let, me, let me add to that. Yeah. I won't leave it at that. In the sense that he is so amazingly talented and creative that he comped the whole film by himself. What? Do you, do you know, you, should yeah, I explain yeah. what comping is? No, I think we get it. Yeah, so yeah. like he, he just like, he got all the 3D elements that we generated, all the plates, put it all together and just did the whole thing by himself. Which so is in other words, literally a mind-boggling you achievement. didn't have to have a budget because it was essentially everything was through him. Yeah, yeah. wow. Yeah, so I mean, he he employed he had to have three D artists to generate the right. generate the elements, but it, I think it was just amazing that he could do that whole thing by himself. That is amazing. Yeah. So, how long do, were you in London? Uh, total, I've, I lived in London for uh, just under six years. Oh, yeah. you were there yeah. for a while, and yeah. was doing that? No, we went to um, after after uh, working for Dave McKean. I went to um, to Double Negative, and Double ne- Negative is now Europe's biggest visual effects house. Okay, so it's a huge like it's one of the the best visual effects companies to work for. And back then, it was like a lot less people than it is now, but it was still an amazing experience. That's where I worked on Harry Potter. Ah, and okay. All, all those big big films. Okay. Yeah. So you're an you're a fine artist who taught yourself Maya. I'm assuming, because I know you work on Houdini, right? Yeah, that's right. So how did that come about that you had to learn Houdini? And was that, what jump, what was that jump like from Maya to Houdini? Uh, It was really, really hard. (laughs) Yeah, because explain a little bit to those Uh, who don't know the technology a little bit, because I mean, uh, Houdini is like the top of the top of the top. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So the basic difference between Maya and Houdini is, Maya is this very kind of like conceptually simple application mm-hmm. to understand because you, you kind of like you're in this 3D world and you have objects and you put in this you put these objects in this world and you have a list of these objects and it's very easy to kind of conceptualize what you're doing because it's in a, in a sense it's kind of very relatable to the real world. Yeah. Whereas Houdini is kind of like a much more abstract way of thinking in the sense that. You, you, you've got these little Lego blocks called nodes mm. and then you connect those nodes together and all you're essentially doing is manipulating data and you create these really long, big trees of data that where, where the data flows through and it's procedural. So procedural means that at the very top of that tree, you can change something and update an animation right. and all the stuff that you, all those nodes, all that data falls, falls through those nodes again so it remembers what you're doing, right, okay. which is a huge advantage for visual effects because you get notes all the time yeah. and you're asked to change stuff all the time. Whereas with Maya, it's more like you do something and although there is a bit of a history behind it, generally it's more like you lose the history of what you're doing. It doesn't remember mm-hmm. anymore. So it's more kind of technical application. What are people working on mostly like now? Like what's or is everyone still working on Maya um, okay, I mean, so people work on After Effects a lot too, right? Uh, so yeah, I, I started off on After Effects, but like it's moved more towards um, Nuke. Oh and, right, um, okay. Back in the day, it was Shake as well. Yeah. So everything's <laughs> yeah. like more. The more high end you get, generally, it's more desirable to work with nodes. Okay. Because there, it's kind of like there's a lot of procedural advantages to doing that. Um, yeah, it's like what what would you suppose they're learning in film school right now if they're doing effects? Uh if okay, so but uh, what I want to say was but, um with the way the different kinds of software that's used, it's 
usually broken down by what discipline that you're doing within 3D. Okay. So with it, if you're an character animation, you're, in, you're going to be working in Maya. Right. If you're lighting, you're generally going to be working in Maya or like Katana, which is a, a specialist kind of like lighting application that was written by Sony. If you're doing effects, more and more like Houdini is just exploding and in, mm-hmm. in taking over that domain because because at the very core, Houdini is data manipulation and that's what effects is also. Mm-hmm. It's like manipulating data. It's funny to hear you say it's exploding because I've known about that for, I, I want to say, like 15 plus years. Yeah, right. I mean, but that was when, you know, back when discrete edit was still around okay. and, you know, Autodesk was then Autodesk bought them and but it's just like there were all these that was the one that if you were really high end then and you know you were doing it but it seemed pretty niche but it was still for the folks who were doing the really crazy stuff but it sounds like that's still the case so there hasn't been anything that's replaced that in other words no totally not like it's good good reason for it because houdini just keeps getting better the the good thing about side effects the company that owns houdini is they invest in r&d and they pour it into houdini Whereas and it, every version it changes, it gets better and better and better. So it's kind of like it leaps, it's it leaps ahead in terms of Maya for effects in particular. Okay. And I think I think there's something to be said for because side effects is privately owned uh-huh. versus Autodesk, which is like a corporation. Yeah. I'm not sure. How, I'm not sure. There's there's probably something to be said for you know a company working for itself. Well, wasn't Houdini originally started by just a couple guys? Yeah, who Kim were, Davis. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's that's I'm, that's cool. That's, it's amazing that they could build a product like to be like such a huge juggernaut in the industry now. Yeah, like I, I'm I'm really like amazed and thrilled by by them. I mean, when I was when I was using Maya at one point, and then I went to Houdini, I was just like, my God, what a what a breath of fresh air! I just really? felt like it, my my career. I just could. I felt like I could do this. Forever. Because it really clicked with the way I think. Mm-hmm. Like Houdini's like the way you can connect nodes. You're basically building your own tools. Whereas okay. with Maya, you have tools that you use. So uh, it's like Mac versus PC. <laughs> <laughs> Which one's. Is, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's what like PCers would say. That's what PC gamers would say. Well, just because Mac's so easy, yeah, so user friendly, yeah. it's probably and good closed. On. And whereas, like, you can do, you know, there's much more building opportunity. You know what it's more like? It's probably more like Mac versus Linux. Ah, ah, you know? yes, you're whereas right. Linux, like, of is course. more for like programmers that right. just want access to everything and control everything. Is it? Are you working on Linux? We do, yeah. Okay. That's what we run, yeah. Okay. And Linux, Linux is like an incredibly stable system right. compared to anything else. So but, that's def- why. but I mean, it's interesting to me because you're a fine artist, but now you're really like you're at the like, I know. Geek I've gone level. total geek. <laughs> it's really weird. And because like there's so many different disciplines in 3D, right? Right. I could have gone animator, which is more creative. Yeah. I could have gone compositor, which is probably the most creative. There's a lot of... Uh, why would you say that? Compositor yeah. being the most creative. Because it's, I think it's the less technical, the least technical... Like in the sense that you you don't have to worry about like tech, as many technical things as you do when you're in 3D, and it's more kind of like final product image driven. Uh huh. You know, whereas when you're working in effects, it's more about problem solving. Okay. You know, you, how do I how do I make this explosion? What 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 dials do I tune? What kind of setup do I make? What tools do I make? It's a very kind of like geeky problem solving puzzle puzzle thing. So you have yeah. a lot of left and right brain going on. I must do. I must do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's cool. Well, so ha- what brought you to Sony? And was that in where? 
geographically were you that you first started? Um, so I'd gone back. So I was in London, went back to Melbourne and worked for Allura, which is like okay. one of the best companies in, in, in Melbourne to work for. Um, they, they did a lot of Game, Game of Thrones stuff, by the way. Ah. Um, uh, but uh, anyway, so work for... Did you work on Game I, of Thrones? I didn't work on okay. Game of Thrones. That was before, like, after I left. Um, and then I went back to LA because I had an opportunity to work at uh, Digital Domain to oh, work on Transformers. Yeah. I've known some of those guys for years, yeah. Yeah, so I worked at Transformers for three months. And then after that contract, I went back to Melbourne again and I said to my wife, I, want, I really want to live in LA. Oh. I loved LA. What was it, the sun? What was it? <laughs> I just love the American attitude. Yeah? Like, yeah, like there's a kind of – I love how um, open-minded Americans are hmm. and how uh, – how friendly and like for for example you'd be on a bus and you just hear like people like talking loudly random conversations to strangers and it's yeah. just like that kind of thing wouldn't happen so much in melbourne and i really i really liked how open the, the society felt huh, and, okay. and, and maybe it's a sense of freedom thing as well yeah you know there's there isn't you don't feel like you're as policed here here as you are in Melbourne. Hmm. And that has its advantages and disadvantages. Right, of course. I'll give you an example, right? When, when I went back to Melbourne, I was only there for – I was on holiday and I was there for a month. And I was pulled over like literally three times for a dr- oh. random uh, breathalyzer test for drunk driving. Really? Three times. And I got three speeding tickets. Because <laughs> they have speed cameras everywhere. And it's yeah. not because cops pull you over. Okay. It's just because they have speed cameras everywhere. And it's like that kind of police. You sense like you, you're being policed much more. The man's always watching you. <laughs> That's I don't. I've never been. I I've always wanted to go to Australia. Oh no! Don't give me. I, I love Australia. Yeah, you're like shit in Australia. That sounds terrible. Well, talk about it. I mean, does that translate professionally? Like, how has it been for you professionally? here versus there as it opened things um, up for you i mean obviously anybody working in the entertainment industry kind of wants to be in hollywood you know because right. this is where wherever they you know people can say a million times over that there's things are filmed elsewhere but still this is still the hub of right. entertainment right the, the biggest thing i'd say about working in the states versus working in london or australia is I get a general sense that in the States, if you're good at something, they reward it more than they Mm. do in those other countries. You're kind of like being really good at something isn't a motivation for other people to knock you down. Uh It's kind of encouraged and it's um, looked up upon. Oh, that's cool. Like in, in... I, yeah, that's the biggest thing I'd say about like America, which is why I really enjoy it. You feel like you're, it's, um, you're rewarded more for Mm -hmm. being good here. See, I think we take that for granted because we're such complaining shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I hear this from a lot of people oh, from really? Europe that thing? I work with. Um, yes, they say that. Well, a lot of the same echo this. A lot of the same things you're saying yeah. that there's a more openness here. I mean, I don't think we realize that, and you know, we complain about many things that are going on here. As you know, there are many crummy things going on here, sure. but. Uh, I do hear often from especially folks I work with um, in London who feel the same way. They feel like there's no reward for what right. we do. Right. It's just kind of you do it. Right. And there, when you do something with America, it just feels like it's getting the high fives or you're getting your opportunity to move up and those yeah, kind of I, things. I, that's, that's just how – that's been my experience coming well, here. Well, that's good. Yeah, which is why I kind of like, like would like to stay in. Yeah. Oh, 
Well, cool. Well, we'd like you to stay. Can you talk about what you're working on right now at all? Uh, I can tell you the film I'm working on. I'm not sure how much I can tell you about it. Okay. So I'll tell you as much as I can. Okay. I'm, I'm working on a, um, the next uh, Spider-Man, which will be an animated Spider-Man. Wow. Spider-Man, yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. So it's going to be very different in huh. the sense that it's going to look quite not, not like a regular CG film. Okay. Uh, it's So... I'm not sure how much more I should say. All right, say. that's fine. But in 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 that that's why I, I'm so excited about this project because that's it's great. It's going to be so different, you know. And we're doing so much stuff that's like so cool, groundbreaking. <laughs> yeah, I really? know it sounds cheesy to say no, right? but because everyone says that. Oh, yeah, but yeah, no, it is. It actually is. I do feel like we are like breaking ground in terms of what's what's come before us. Well, and though for those who don't realize, Sony actually owns Spider-Man, whereas Correct, Marvel yeah. was lent Spider-Man. For the Avengers right. movies, but Sony's the one who owns Spider-Man. Yeah. So um, now, is what you're doing tied into that relationship at all? Can you talk about that, or is this a standalone Sony? Um, I I don't know actually. I don't know what Marvel's involvement in this is. Okay. I think it's standalone Sony. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'm not Because sure. the thing about Marvel, I mean, I'm actually a DC fan, personally. I, okay. like the, I think the Justice League would kill the Avengers easily. <laughs> Superman, that's all you have to say. Okay. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm fascinated by their blueprint and the universe they've woven and what they're doing with all that. And so now Spider-Man's moved into that. And is an integral part of Affinity War, Infinity War, and all of those things. So it, it just makes me wonder if, you know, there's another Spider-Man project, what that means. Oh, um, I'm going to have to say that you can't talk I'm about not, it. <laughs> not, not only that, but there's stuff I can't say in the, in the sense that I'm not actually that into pop culture. <laughs> <laughs> you are fired. <laughs> you know? No, like, that's funny because I hear that from a lot of folks who work on film. Yeah. They're not as into it as yeah. those of us who geek out over I, all I of think it. I think my wife gets really annoyed with me because... She's I'm, into it. She, she's, she's into stuff. She loves fiction. Yeah. She loves, I don't like fiction so much. Really? Yeah. I like nonfiction. I like, like, if I'm going to watch something, I'd rather it nonfiction. So do you not like the products you work on? Um, okay, so with me, I sometimes I don't see the films that I work on. Wow! And what, with me, what I enjoy is the challenge of the f- project. Okay, you know, getting into like the nitty- technical nitty gritty and problem solving and the puzzle of it right. aspect of it. That's what I enjoy from work, and I don't so much get into what the character's doing mm-hmm. or you know what how this fits into some other like context of like a universe or whatever. How did you? become a fine artist <laughs> like, why um, did like how did that come about i can't reconcile this with whatever thing else you're um, telling well, me I, I love i love art okay i absolutely love art like i like who so what artists do you like who would, oh oh my god uh francis bacon uh, okay. is probably one of my favorites um but um de kooning okay um uh the yeah i i the, I, I I love contemporary fine art as well. Okay. I go like um, ju- gets juxtaposed magazine. And yeah, I get I geek out on it all the time. And sometimes I kind of like I'm a bit down on myself that I didn't go down that route. 
hmm. I feel like, huh, maybe I could have done something with that. It's never too late. Yeah, I don't know. I've got a kid now. I have to <laughs> yeah. pay a mortgage. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think the thing, the, the, the barrier where I draw the line is when fiction, when it's kind of like written by someone, I don't know, there's something about it that I can't get into. It's like... Huh. Do you watch dis- any shows or anything? Yeah, yeah. I, I've actually do get. I have recently, over the last couple of years, got into watching like all the great shows that we get on TV now. Yeah, like, we get a lot um, of great shows. Yeah, Game of Thrones. Okay, good. All but right. Rec- recently, you're just, you're coming back. That's great. Isn't that amazing? That's one of my favorites right now. That is so good. I'm a little behind, yeah. but I couldn't stop oh, really? watching right, a lot right, of it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we had a friend over, and she's like, "Oh, we should watch Ozark." I was like, oh, "Fiction." And again, uh-huh. all right, I'll watch one episode for you because you're, you're my friend. <laughs> she watched it. She fell asleep halfway through. I was just hooked. Yeah, it's so good. And I watched the whole series while oh, she was here. Oh, you did? Here. Yeah, over like the course of like four days. Wow. That's on Netflix, folks, yeah. if you yeah. don't know. That's really, really it's good. Jason Bateman's show, which she produced as well. Let me ask you in terms of the creative process and working with different teams and the directors, um, Who's like your favorite? Who's your, been your favorite director to work with? Well, the, the thing about visual effects, you know how there's that really huge list of credits. Yes, at the end of the yes, film? yes. <laughs> the people that work there with the director aren't many. Okay. Like I'm I, kind yeah, of that's... quite pretty far removed from the director, except actually on this film because we're working with Spa directly, and mm-hmm. the directors are actually in the building with us at Imageworks. Oh. I've been working with them a little bit. Um, so, but um, so yeah, we, we as a visual effects artist. There's a hierarchy that mm-hmm. happens. So, so what visu- is that? So a visual effects artist would be like uh, would look up to a lead, then a lead lead look up to the um, CG supervisor, and then CG supervisor, visual effects supervisor, visual effects supervisor, probably director. Okay. So you're pretty far removed if you're just an artist. Okay. And even as a lead, you're still not close to working with the director a lot of the time except if you're working on an animated film like like this one where you kind of have more access to the director where do you, where on that hierarchy are you looking to go i have this debate with myself mm. about what i how much i want to go up the uh-huh. chain and on the one hand i think come on be ambitious and like uh-huh. <laughs> try and try and get somewhere but then on the other hand i feel like i actually really like doing the work mm. I really enjoy the process of problem solving and being creative. Uh-huh. And when you're when you go up the chain, and I'm experiencing it a little bit now as being a lead, right? It's more like a manager. You're yeah, being, you're managing. Like you said, you're not yeah. doing all. You're the not work actually you're doing the work, yeah. which I, that's not my favorite bit of the job. Okay. You know, I I love working with people, and I love kind of like seeing people solve problems right and like get direction and helping them like be you know better artists yeah but i don't enjoy the kind of politics that gets yeah associated with being being yeah. like higher up the chain right you know well that's cool that you like doing what you do yeah i yeah. mean how many people can say that i'm curious how if if at all you have felt the effects of the changes in technology like the, there's an overabundance of content because we have streaming services right. now. So there's it, the distribution model has expanded dramatically since you started. So even though you're doing features and I mean, has that affected your work at all, or does it um, talked about at I, Sony? It's it's not something we particularly talk about, and it's not something that I personally have um, experienced so much. Only in the sense that 
I see it through my son, who's like mm. who's ten, and I see the kind of um, exposure he has uh-huh. to YouTubers, yeah, um, all the different shows that he sees, like, and he sees them on demand. Yeah, it's like when I was a kid to see a cartoon, I'd have to wait till Saturday morning. Right. Yeah, me you know? too. <laughs> Saturday morning cartoons, it was right. huge. But right now, he could just turn on Netflix and have a billion shows, any show yeah. he wants to watch at, at, at his leisure. So, I mean, I definitely see it in that sense. How do you feel about that? Um, sometimes I worry about the kind of stuff he's seeing on YouTube, and mm. I'm, maybe I'm not monitoring it closely enough, but I, I, I see like that most of the time he just watches people playing games. Uh-huh. <laughs> and... He gets really entertained by having people comment on like on the like comment PewDiePie? while paying while, while, while paying playing games. Yeah, like PewDiePie. I don't know what that is. He's the guy who's had gazillion followers. Oh, really? Just like right. got famous for playing. Oh, really? Video games and uh, my uh, son follows named someone named Dan. I think. Dan. Oh, okay. Yeah, because yeah. PewDiePie's gone now. But oh, okay, there's got a lot of guys who just do that. They yeah, you can watch them play video games. Tell me also a little bit about. Just your impressions on how technology, specifically um, in the film industry, like the, you know, now everything is CGI, like you said, Mm -hmm. you know, there's so much going on. Like from when you first started, how that, how you see that, where that's going. Oh, sure. Um, So when I first started out in 3D, you cheated a lot of things to make them look real. So, for example, if you say you had a water simulation, Mm -hmm. you wouldn't simulate water. You'd get particles, and particles are kind of just like little points, and you you put forces on them, and and the forces would kind of like direct the particles to move Uh a certain way, and you'd render that. Whereas right now, what what gradually has started happening, because computers and software have got – software's gotten better, computers have gotten faster – is you're actually simulating stuff much more. That's very cool. You know, so yeah. you say you had a water simulation, now you would simulate the water. So you have all these these things that you dial, like viscosity uh-huh. and, you know. So, wow, you're literally doing all that. You're, oh, yeah, sure. Wow. Yeah. So you're scientists almost. Nah. Sort of. <laughs> when you're talking about, I mean, it sounds like it. It sounds like when you say simulating stuff, it's like we would dial the parameters Okay. But we don't know what equations are being written All underneath right, okay. the hood. It's kind yeah. of like driving a car. Like, we know how to drive the car, but we're not mechanics. We can't open the hood. To a certain extent, being a Houdini artist, we do know a little bit more than most. Uh-huh. But we, we didn't design the car. We, we just use it to, to kind of get to an end goal. Right. Yeah. So... Um, it's it's not a lot of people think there is a lot of math involved in being an effects artist, but it's probably not as complicated as most people think. It sounds pretty complicated. To me. <laughs> How many actual Houdini artists are there? Because I remember when before I actually met you, yeah. someone who was saying where you work to me and everything said, "Oh, he's like the only guy. Like he's he's the only guy who does this one particular kind of software." And then when I found no. out what it was, I was like, "I know what that is," and I don't think he's the only one who no, does it. Absolutely not. <laughs> I wish I was the only one. Get paid more. <laughs> yeah, but but at the same time, uh, it does sound like you have to kind of get up the ranks to be able to work on that. Like in you know, so there's probably only a finite number of the folks on your team who are able to be Houdini artists, right? Because, or am I totally wrong um, no, so, that? No, so when, when people start off in their career, they usually 
for the first couple of years, they're trying to figure out what they want to do, what speciality. Right. So, you know, it could be a modeler, animator, oh, right. lighter, okay. compositor, blah, blah, blah. Effects um, is just one arm of, the, of that. And most people, like, when, when they choose effects, it takes a really long time to be a good effects artist. Yeah. Like, it took me, like, 10 years before I started to feel like I finally got it. Really? Maybe I'm slow. <laughs> it, it was like, yeah, it takes a really long time because there's so much to the soft, to, to Houdini in general, and there's so much to know about effects uh-huh. that it's a really, it's one of the hardest disciplines to learn yeah. and, and do well. But the, the, on, the, the thing that um, most people that are doing it now have on their side is that there's just so much more con- like learning content that there was when I was starting. Yeah, it sounds like a huge learning curve. That's what I'm getting at. Like, I, yeah. because I've played around with Maya a little bit. Yeah, and I can see how if you spend a lot of time, you could teach your you could teach yourself Maya. If yeah. you you know if yeah. you're someone who knows computers and all that. Yeah, but who I've seen Houdini interfaces. Uh, no, no <laughs> way. Yeah. The funny thing is I now go back to Maya and I just think this software is so complicated. <laughs> really? Yeah, That's because funny. it's all menus. Uh, like you have yeah. to go through menus upon menu upon menu. With Houdini, it's like to understand the core is hard, but once you understand the core, it's everything's easy. Right. Well, what's your favorite film you've worked on? Um, huh. Uh, well, I probably I, I like the really different films, like the the ones where the effects are really unusual. And although this film was highly highly panned uh-huh. i loved working on it okay pixels oh uh, yeah it was highly panned. you know it's funny too because when we first heard about it we were excited at yeah. the concept yeah and then we heard that it was just really stupid yeah. no <laughs> but comment. i still want to see it oh you haven't and seen now it I, no i haven't oh, wow. seen it and now i really want to see it what's what did you work on on that um so i basically helped uh, you, the thing to understand about a, a big film like Pixels is that it's more than one visual effects company working on it. Right. Okay. So our company did a, a, a selection of the shots and other visual effects company did others. But our selection, of what I was responsible for was helping with the simulation of when um, when the characters get destroyed. Mm-hmm. So if they get they get hit by a gun or whatever, they broke up into like little blocks. Okay. So one of the big sequences I worked on was when – Get yeah, the the robot character. Um, and this is where my my uh, <laughs> Your disdain pop for fiction, <laughs> the disdain for pop culture, is gonna is a big red robot, <laughs> and his his arms are swinging, and he's kind of got a visor, and oh. in the visor he's got like little light running yeah. through. Anyway, I so I like Jake guy shoots him and he collapses. <laughs> so that's one of the big things I did, and a whole bunch of other like destruction stuff. So I, I was also like. I wasn't technically the lead, but I created a lot of the tools that would allow you to simulate. And how do we simulate these things? What do they look like when they get broken apart? Uh-huh. Stuff like that. Do you ever get a f- – because it's funny because I'm, yeah, I'm guessing you don't work with the actors ever. Nope. And, but, and I already probably know the answer to this because you're not a fan of fiction. But to be – I mean, what's it like working on things where you're dealing with actors that – you know or you're like is it just very clinical like you don't even because i would have such a heart i would be kind of like a fan you know oh, i'd be right. like oh my god it's peter dinklage i oh, love peter dinklage no, no, no. and now i'm putting on his little you know what i mean i wish i had that 
I wish I had Does that. Does anyone have that on your team? Yeah, there, like, there are people like there's that. There's got to be people, there, there especially is. Yeah, like yeah. the people I'm right actually, out of school. A lot of people that I work with are really into the whole superhero thing. And ah, now there's so okay. many superhero fil- films right. being made. Right, like, I'm working on Everyone's this. Everyone's loving it. And I'm just like, yeah, it's cool. I like the challenge of this particular that, shot. You're probably, you sound like the ideal person to work on a team. Like, you're, like, the people who work with you probably think you're the Fucking best because oh, of that. No, I don't. I don't know. Because I mean, you're you're focused on the task. You're, you're focused on the project, and yeah, you're not like yeah. caught up in the fandom of it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe. I, I wish. I, sometimes I wish I was caught up in the fandom. Uh, you know. But when I was working on Harry Potter, the thing that I loved more than anything was that Scarlet loved Harry Potter, and I was working Aww. on it. I really liked that. That's cool. And I was also thinking to myself, one day, like my son will probably yes. see that. Yeah. That's that cool. is cool. That's really cool. That's cool. And when your son can go to school and kind of say, "Oh, my, my dad, dad did worked on that. Harry that's Potter." Awesome. Well, I'm telling you, and is Aiden a Harry Potter fan? Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah Scarlett's reading him the books. Yeah. Oh, really? Because yeah. if he taught to a group of Harry Potter fans, if the, if he says, "My dad did yeah. the pen scene stuff." From Goblet of Fire, they'd be yeah. like, "What?" <laughs> you know, I mean, that's really yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Tell me about Exit Tomorrow a little bit because that's another one of our uh, favorites, that was, absolute favorite oh, films. Yeah, you know, you know how I don't like seeing fiction. Yeah, I don't like fiction. I really enjoyed that film. That film was great. Yeah, I agree. I, I, it, it's I one was of my so favorites. happy to work on that film because it was a good film, it good really, solid yeah. film. Yeah, and I came out just going, "Ah, oh, I'm really glad I was a part of that project." Yeah. Yeah. What did you work on on that? So I did a lot of the stuff where the um, the aliens are coming out of the sand uh-huh. and the sand simulations. Oh, that's so cool! Yeah, and also when the aliens kind of like destroy this trailer, like like so I was like oh, yeah, simulating I like the yeah, they destruction over and over again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that and yeah and some simulation maybe some simulation of smoke. Oh, and uh, the dropship when he's dangling from the dropship, uh huh, it explodes. I did all, all that okay. stuff. Yeah. That's a very cool sequence. Yeah, that was cool too. Yeah. How does that work given that – how did they do that? Because they repeat the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. So do you guys have to repeat – is it – I don't, I don't remember same? doing the same effect over and over again. I don't know how it was edited. Well, because you know how the story yeah, 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 is. He's course. reliving. Yeah, yeah. So it's differently – it's but, just a different effect in every – But in terms of the visual effects, were there visual effects repeated? I don't know. Yeah. Really? Well, maybe so like not. The, the same, maybe I don't know. From an audience, it happens so fast. Like and you, yeah. you see it and it's interesting, repeat isn't it? Itself, like, you, you know that that happened, but I'm not sure. It if, might not be the I don't same. I remember effects. redoing the same effect. That's very interesting because, yeah. from an audience perspective, like I'm, I'm remembering the drop, and to me, they, I mean, they probably did it like ten times, a dozen times, and to me, it just seems like it's the same thing right, over right. and over again. But in fact, it, no, it's totally it was, different effects yeah, yeah. every time. Yeah, they edited it in a different, in a way that made you feel that way, but you didn't yeah. see the visual effects more than once. See, that's that's <laughs> the beauty. Yeah. Well, that must have been cool to win an award for that. Oh yeah, oh that was also thrilled. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean that particularly because like I was sitting there and the when they were about to announce the winner. And it dawned on me literally about 10 seconds before it was called out that we could actually win it. Wow. Up until that point, I was like, there is no way. It didn't even enter my head as a possibility. Yeah. And then 10 seconds before it called, they called it out, I was like, oh, my God, we could actually win this. Yeah. And then when they called out, called us out, I was just like, just dumbstruck. That's <laughs> so great. It. So yeah. who gets that award? Is the whole team? Yeah, so the whole team gets it. Um, like who and, accepts it? Uh, so the... 
the lead I was I wasn't the lead on that show so I was a senior effects artist the lead um accepted the award gave a speech uh-huh. I probably could have said something but I was way too shy Aww. um <laughs> and then you go back get ushered backstage and like they congratulate you and whatnot that's so cool yeah yeah it's fun so after Spider-Man, do you already know what you're working on or no? No, no, no. It's way too how far did, ahead. So how does that work? They just tell you? Because it, it's t- – talk a little bit about just how it's different from working kind of like for an agency versus a studio where you're assigned to a project versus you've got a lot of different stuff coming in the doors. Um, so when you're working – so the, the – Depending on what position you have in the studio can can vary like what how you're treated and and whether you come and go. Uh-huh. So with at Sony, what generally happens is there's a core group of people that they keep on permanently, uh-huh. no matter what the projects are. They they keep that core group of people on to like go from show to show to and show. That's, and you're one of those. And people. I'm one, luckily lucky to be one of those people. And then there's other people, effects artists that they bring in when the work gets too much and they need help. Okay. They'll they'll expand the crew and then they'll shrink it down when they don't need right. need need people so much anymore. So um you don't really know what show you're going to be on until like this show's finished and it's a few weeks before the next one. And they just and someone comes to you and says, "Okay, this is what we're doing." Yeah, uh, or the, if you're lucky, they might say to you, "Look, there's three shows that want you. Which one would you prefer?" Oh, really? Yeah, that happens. Yeah. Have you had that happen where you? Yeah, picked? yeah, I did. Yeah. What did you? <laughs> I was pick? really lucky. <laughs> I, I had the option like of uh, Hotel Transylvania Three. Oh, cool. Uh, Meg, which is a shark movie. I'm not sure if you know about it. No. Yeah. What is that? It's about a, a giant shark is it with Jason Stratham. Oh, really? His? Yeah. <laughs> He's doing a shark movie? Yeah. That's okay. what they currently... Or, or um, Cabin Fever, which... Oh, sorry. Cabin okay. Fever, it's a, which is um, Spider-Man. Okay. And Spider-Man. You, yeah. I was like... Good choice. Animated Spider-Man. I, All the way. I, I, think, <laughs> I think everybody applauds your choice. Yeah. Well, so, I, I mean, I think... What you're doing is so fascinating and cool, and you've had an amazing career. Uh, you got any other little tidbits you want to share with the audience? Yeah, I, I, I got to say that one of the big things that's coming that a lot of people probably are aware of, but they're not sure, they don't probably underestimate how big it's going to be in mm-hmm. terms of visual effects, is uh, the influence of artificial intelligence. Oh, yeah. So what's going to happen is right now we simulate a lot of like. A lot of things like water, like I was t- talking about water simulations. Uh-huh. We run very complex algorithms that would basically um, estimate how a real fluid would behave. Whereas with artificial intelligence, what's going to happen is that um, you train a, 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 a neural network, give it lots of examples of how water behaves. This is a, you give it tons shit. of examples of like different yeah. types of simulations and how they would behave. And then it learns. And so then when you give it a new example and you say, okay, in this situation, how would you behave? It can estimate how it, it would, that water simulation would behave given all that it's learned from its previous examples. Wow. So that's going to be – I think that's going to be really well, What huge. is that going to mean for – is that going to eliminate a lot of careers? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think it will just open up new possibilities. Like, how is that – so how – practically how does that play out like when you say a neural network and when like so who's 
How does this work? Oh, so th- there'll be like really like like right now you have software designers that would design uh, software that runs with executing these complex algorithms right. to figure out what would happen is you will have software engineers that are more that are experts on artificial intelligence and okay. will design software for artists like myself to use that is faster and potentially better than the previous generation wow. of software. So and that's the next big thing, huh? Because everyone's talking about VR right now. I don't see it. You don't? No. W- why? Um, I, I got to say, we see it out there really? in the event world. And do, do, you, do you see people pushing VR? Or yes. do you see people uh, embracing VR? VR, we still, you know, it's not going to be practical for consumers yet until we can get rid of the goggles. Yeah, yeah. And how that's going to work. So, but I will say this. I mean, my 89-year-old mother, who I just visited in Boston, is doing VR. Really? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) She has, she uh, goes to this conference room where she lives in a a senior community. And they go to African safaris. And they go to the Great Wall of China. And she puts, I mean, it's actually, so the applications for it are very interesting right now. You know, education, kids in schools who don't have the money to go to these places, you know, medical applications. So I think from a professional perspective, it's, it's starting to be embraced. From a consumer perspective, I don't know. I think your point yeah. is valid. I think it's being pushed, not embraced. Yeah. But I think it will be. I'm not sure. I, I think the biggest hurdle, like you're saying, is the goggles. Yeah. Like if they can figure that out and make it more more easily accessible, I think you're onto, it, it will take off more. Yeah. But from my own perspective, I'm much more interested in AR. Like, yeah, I know. am too. I'm very interested in AR. Yeah. I think it's super Did you, cool. Do you know much about Magic Leap? No. And what they're doing? No. Talk about it. You don't know Magic Leap? Well, maybe I do. Uh, so their, their whole paradigm is they basically want to like reinvent how like we see watch television. Uh-huh. And so instead of – I don't know a huge amount about it because it's – but it, it, it has gotten a massive, massive amount of venture capital. Hmm. Um, and the, they, they basically – they've also got doing AR – Okay, but it's amazing. Like in in the sense that I think they they fire like photons directly into your eye. What? Yeah, like it's it's some weird technology that only they they can do. It's like some sort of proprietary thing they have. Okay, I, don't know if I not, like that idea. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently, when you watch it, it's like the objects you're seeing that are, that are, are so well integrated that it's it's far ahead anything else. Wow. Yeah, magically. All right. Check it out, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I think we're gonna wrap it up there, uh, unless you have any nope. parting parting nope. words. Uh, Pav, thanks for being here. Oh, thanks so much. This I really has enjoyed been this. cool. Yeah. Like hearing about all this, and and I look forward to the Spider Man film when Thank you, you can when it yeah. comes out. Can you say when it's coming out? Uh, twenty eighteen. I think uh, towards the end of the year. Okay. Yeah. But maybe we should do this again after after it's out. Well, yes. Or I'll, how I'll about, about how it. about right when it's coming out, oh, right? Yeah, like right. a week before it's coming out, <laughs> and then we'll grab uh, my partner in crime on the Herald and Modcast. Yeah, yeah. To be I'd here love to do too. that. Yeah, I'll tell you all about it. All right. Well, everyone, as always, go to our website, thehmcnetwork.com, for more episodes of conversations with, and also the Herald and Modcast and other podcasts. 
That's it for us, folks. See ya. 